Welcome to another edition of GovTech Today. I'm Russell Lowry. And I'm Jen Seha. And together we're going to try and bridge the gap between .com and .gov. Interesting topic for today is a shortage in the tech labor force. This is not unfamiliar to the .com world. Everybody is scrambling for talent, um, but it's particularly acute in the .gov sector. So um, before we talk about the gap, um, can you talk about some of the reform initiatives, how we got to the current structure that we have with IT classifications in state government? Sure. And I mean, I think you hit it on the head, right? The The problem in .com presents an opportunity for .gov. And I mean, I think it'll become clear why when we talk about... So in 2018, the IT classifications, job descriptions that the state was using had been around since the 60s. Technology evolves. Our job classifications do not. Um, there were, at the time, 36 job titles in state government IT. It was super confusing. Some of them were like outdated technology that didn't even exist in some departments anymore. Um, Governor Brown, at the time, looked at the 20% vacancy rate that he was faced with in IT workers and said, we have to do something about this. So they consolidated those 36 jobs down to nine classifications, very clear, very broad. Anything in IT could fall into these from a data analyst to a project manager to soft skills uh, related to IT. So made them very broad, made nine of them with a very clear career ladder uh, in government IT. Did, was the state employee union on board with this? Were they resistant? How were they reacting at the time? And, and where are they now? It it was a lot of negotiation, but okay. it ended up working out. Everyone came together uh, okay. and worked through all of the changes. I actually, uh, my mom was an employee at the time in one of these IT classifications. And there were a lot of intricacies involved in switching people over from these old classes to the new classes and making sure that none of the employees were harmed in that, either with salary or compensation or career ability to advance. Well, I, that's where it immediately went up in my head, um, having led a state agency yeah. uh, at one time in my past. The career ladder was very important to state employees. And if there were 36 of them, they probably knew what steps and when and how long it took for them to zig and zag to the top of that pay scale. Um, is that path clear Today with nine? Uh... It's super clear. Um, look, change is never easy. And the transition from 36 to nine meant some people got bunched together and there were impactions and my boss is making less than me. But I mean, that was in 2018. Okay, so, so some of that's been worked it, at. <laughs> it's, it's all shaken out to this point. Everyone's familiar with these new classifications and is used to the career path that they now take. Okay, before before we get into the career path, uh, the immediate question in my mind, um, when we talk about qualifications and, and, and salary, uh, some of the pay in the private sector is is much higher than than in government. So can you talk a little bit about uh, both the qualifications and then we'll get into some of the salary and and lead into the, the latter discussion. But what does it take for someone to get step one into the government IT 
sector? Sure. So if I'm coming in off the streets, I've graduated college or I haven't graduated college either way, um, I need six months of general IT experience or 15 semester units, six of those units being in IT or other closely related coursework. So I don't need a I don't need a computer science degree. I don't need a nope. a certification. I need um, six months of experience in a related field or fifteen semester units of computer science education. Right. That seems pretty or any combination of the both. Okay. So if you only had three months, you might need less semester units. That that type of thing. And um, what kind of with those qualifications, what do I qualify for in state? So service? that's for entry level to be an IT technician. The salary range on that, and state government does monthly instead of annually, so it's always really confusing for a private sector who's used to my annual salary, Um, ranges from about $3,200 a month up to $5,200 a month. So on the high range of that, you're making over $60,000 a year, which is a pretty good job, especially with no college degree requirements. Right. So no college degree requirements. You're coming in as a IT technician. You're making between thirty six and sixty thousand dollars a year, depending on the job, at an entry level position. Um, and what kind of work am I doing as an IT technician? So I mean it is pretty broad. It can be anything from asset management, technical writing, IT strategic planning, project assistance, um, but it is, it's commiserate with an entry-level position. So you're not going to be managing people. You're not going to be in charge of anything. Those they save for when you climb that ladder. You begin to climb that ladder. Um, do you want to talk about the what the top of that pay scale looks sure. like? Or, or so as you that? climb, you need a year experience at each one of these nine steps. Um, so the top of the, the top of the scale is really the IT manager classifications. And, um, for the top of that, you either need to have a year as, um, an IT supervisor, which is the step right below the IT manager, or you need seven years experience, three of those years being a lead on a project or something. And you can have a master's or a doctorate that can sub for four years of experience. So if I got a master's degree in, you know, IT or something, I don't need seven years. I only need three. Got it. And the pay on that's pretty substantial. You're looking at 150000 plus a year. Did you want to talk a little bit about the benefits, which are always right. a key factor in... Such a key factor that I think so is overlooked by so many people, maybe especially um, a younger generation that's like, what am I taking home every month? The state benefits, I mean, there's great benefits in the private sector, and then there's state benefits, which are like above and beyond better than anything you could receive in the private sector. Um, So these cover everything from medical to retirement to pensions. So you've probably heard through the years like 2% at 55. What does that mean? It means that I will receive 2% of my final salary. So say I retire from the state, 
making $100,000 a year. I didn't go all the way to the top, but right. I'm making 100 grand a year, which is a great salary. Uh, you will receive 2% of that salary for every year that you were employed. So even if I worked um, 20 years, I was making $100,000 uh, at the top of my career. I will make $40,000 a year in my pension wow. for the rest of my life. And if I die, my spouse makes it, my dependent makes it for the rest of their life. So, I mean, it it's substantial. The other really key thing is the medical. And there's different determinants based on when you enter the workforce. But typically, it's if I work for the state government under CalPERS uh, pension system for 20 years, then I'm entitled to medical coverage for the rest of my life. As we grow older, that medical coverage gets more and more expensive. CalPERS is on the hook for it. Not just for me, but for my spouse, for any dependents under age 26. So again, a huge substantial cost that those of us in the private sector are super familiar with. I spend a fortune every month, um, but you don't have to if you're a state employee. It's very reasonable. That is That sounds like a nice benefit package, and you've laid out kind of the why uh, why someone might consider uh, getting into the .gov IT space. Um, do you want to walk through the classifications, each of the nine steps, and kind of think about it from the perspective of our, of our .gov listeners who might be looking? Um, talk about it from uh, the job hopping. Um, we'll, we'll flesh it out a little bit, but helping state employees think through how to navigate climbing the career ladder. Yeah, so each of these, you need to serve probably a year in order to be eligible to promote into the next one. Some of them have two steps. Some of them even have three steps. So for instance, I could be an IT specialist one, do that for a year, promote to an IT specialist two, do that for a year, promote to an IT specialist three. So it goes uh, technician, associate, specialist, supervisor, manager. Okay. Those are like the five, five general ones. There's a one, a two, a one, a two, a three, a one, a two, <laughs> like within each of those. So it completely adds up to nine. Can I have a very similar job in, in one department and just move up in there? Or do I need to um, hop from agency to agency in order to promote? So what's really interesting about government, and I don't think that this has changed over the years, Um you will rarely find someone that stays in the same department for their entire state career. And that's simply because promotions in place, like moving my job as a technician and increasing my duties and making me an analyst or promoting me because I'm really awesome at my job is much more rare than if I just find an opening for an associate somewhere else and hop to a different department or hop to even a different office within my own department. So moving up that ladder becomes a lot easier when you move from job to job as opposed to just promoting in place with your own position. And that's just because that's the way government works, right? Like each department is allocated a certain number of IT analysts and a certain number of technicians and a certain number of managers. So for them to reclassify one of those because they have someone awesome in it is very difficult, lengthy process, has to have all these approvals. 
it's just kind of rare. It's kind of rare. Okay. So there's not a stigma attached to, um, to switching departments, but is it the kind of thing where uh, state employees should be ticking down 363 days, 364 days, 365 days I mean, and go? Not necessarily. I, my kind of experience is if I'm promoting, if I'm like lateraling into the same kind of job, there's going to be questions, right? Like, right. why did you, why did you just take an equal job over here? What was wrong with the one you had? But if you're promoting and you're kicking ass and you're advancing in your career, I don't think anybody looks down at that, especially in these IT classifications where, I mean, you're not talking about working on tax programs versus working on um, real estate programs. You're talking about working on a machine that is literally the same exact machine as at this other department. Well, when you talk about the classifications, um, you mentioned completely different skill sets and someone that is uh, a tech writer might be totally different from somebody that's uh, coding Python. Sure. And so, um, but do the, do the, the classifications, at least as I understood you walking them through, didn't necessarily draw those distinctions. Totally. Those, both of those people, the technical writer and the coder could both be IT supervisors or IT supervisors too, for that matter. Wow. So there is a really broad range um, and that comes down to job description and duties associated with each of those. So as if, uh, if I'm trying to help uh, folks connect to uh, as a sled salesperson or a sled sales team, um, I have to prepare a pitch that's appropriate to that person. They may have IT manager as their classification, but they came from, uh, they might have a different background than right. you might think of if you had a private sector person with that job title. I mean, a lot of times IT manager is going to be their job classification, but their job title is going to be programmer ah. or technical writer Okay. So you'll experience that a lot where you're coming in and you're like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a technical writer. What's your classification? Oh, I'm a IT specialist too, or, you know, Got whatever it. the actual class may be. So it, it, that would, it, that designation might be far more important than their, their specific classification. Uh, sure. As, for, for co how you want to communicate and the kinds of information that you want them to understand. Well, and even when you're trying to find a job, right? Like I'm going to search on CalHR's website for IT specialists, IT specialists, two jobs. I'm a one now. I want to promote to a two. I'm going to filter out and look at all the IT specialists, two jobs. Those are going to be Python coders. Those are going to be technical writers. I'm a project manager. So you're going to have to go through those and figure out which one of those jobs is right for you and your skill sets. Got it. Got it. I have, uh, is there a lot of back and forth between private sector and state employment in the tech sector? Do I, if I'm working and I, maybe I'm working with an IT contractor, opportunity comes up, I leave state service to go work in the private sector. Does that yeah, that, that I think that happens far more than it going the other way and having contractors come back and work for the state. Although that happens too, like don't don't sleep on that as an option. You know, I've heard many instances where you have someone working on an IT project at a state. Maybe I work for a company, a vendor that's in there working, and 
they're like, hey, this seems like really awesome. And you guys have great benefits. Like, how do I get a job here? So, I mean, that can happen too. Although our state IT leadership will tell you, oh, the vendor community, they poach all of our good employees. (laughs) And that happens too. Like, you know, there's more flexibility in the private sector. You can pay some bigger salaries when it makes sense. So it happens both ways, but far more going from government to the private sector. I got to say, Jen, you've laid out a, a pretty compelling picture for why uh, a young person or a career transition person might consider a job in IT. Um, we want to talk a little bit, how do they do that? They've, they've watched, they listened to the podcast, they, they, they found you on LinkedIn, and, and we've gotten to this part. What do they need to do in order to engage with the state on getting an IT So first things first, check out the state's California Human Resources Agency, CalHR. Check out their website. There's a few hoops you'll have to jump through, and you will need to exercise something that I think we all need to exercise when dealing with government, and that is patience. None of this is fast. Um, So search for the jobs you want. Make sure you take the exams. Now, I don't want people to get scared by this word exam. It's basically... How much experience do you have? Um, How many semesters of experience do you have at college? Because they want to make sure you're going to meet these minimum qualifications before they make you go through applying and screening and all of that good stuff. Take the exams for the classifications that you are qualified for and then start applying. And don't just apply. Don't just submit the, the state application. Do what you would normally do to stand out in a job application process. Sometimes these people are looking at 100, 200, 300 applications for these positions. So make yourself stand out. Draft a great cover letter. Include a resume. Talk about your skill sets and how they would apply to this specific job. You have to make yourself stand out. And I mean, those are some of the only ways to do it. Last question. Uh, If I'm in the private sector already, I have... Um, I'm not in career, but I've, I've got experience. Do I have to come in at step one or can I come in at step five or step six? Yeah. So there's always an or, right? If, if you are at a middle career age or even advanced career age, you can have so many years of experience as a one Or you can qualify for that with years of experience in the private sector or education. So like that top of the rung, you have to have IT manager one experience or seven years of experience in the private sector working in IT or a master's degree um, or some combination of both. Got it. Got it. Well, Jen, thank you for sharing that uh fascinating insight with us. I think, uh, I think our listeners will benefit. It's a great opportunity.